CES Wednesday. We have so many cool, diverse people from different backgrounds, different beliefs, different upbringings, and it just keeps growing. I feel it in my I'm a citizen of the United States. I'm a hustler. I'm a big Taylor Swift fan. I'm the queen of the tribe. I am playing whatever role I gotta play. I'm gonna play this game for speed. I ain't going down like no punk. A new Survivor, Wednesday on CBS and streaming on Paramount+. Plus. What's gonna happen tonight? What's gonna happen? We're gonna whoop their Have you gotten Rommel yet? Welcome into the Go Vols 24-7 podcast, another breaking news edition this week with myself, Ben McKee, and Ryan Callahan, because Tennessee football continues to be red hot on the recruiting trail. Forget scoring touchdowns in September, October, and November. Josh Heupel continues to score touchdowns in July, Mr. Callahan, with another uh, rather significant touchdown on the recruiting trail. Absolutely. Uh, Tennessee landing four-star linebacker Edwin Spillman of Lipscomb Academy in Nashville, one of one of the Vols' longtime top targets, uh, giving Tennessee its its second big pickup uh, in, in just a couple days here after five-star wide receiver Mike Matthews, of course, committed Wednesday night. Huge, huge get uh, in that one, obviously, and this one. You know, he, he might not have the fifth star next to his name, but but Edwin Spillman's a big deal to Tennessee. This is one the uh, the Vols have been obviously fighting hard for a long time uh, to to get him uh, into their class, and and finally have done that. You know, this is one that uh, you know honestly looked like he he could have been headed Tennessee's way as early as last fall. Um, there was some at least some some early talk of of potentially capitalizing on some early momentum with him during the season last year. Uh, that ended up not not happening, obviously, but but Tennessee was uh, was at least hopeful of that at one point, and. Uh, and it's, it's been in good shape with him for a while, but uh, Ohio State uh, has has been Tennessee's main competition for him, and and he, you know, kept kept things open and and, and took some official visits last month and kept exploring his options and, and played out the process, and you know, still in the end, Tennessee was uh, was able to to win that one. So one of the top in-state players in in the 2024 class, uh, obviously, a guy Tennessee's been pursuing for a long time. And and has been a, a priority at the linebacker position for a long time with uh, with good reason, good athlete, uh, around six foot one, two hundred sixteen pounds, and uh, and and uh, you know just a, still a lot of upside in his game, I think uh, as well. So a lot to like about Edwin Spillman, and and there's a reason he's been a, a priority for Tennessee for so long. So huge pickup here for for the Vols, and yeah, third pickup of the month, uh, third in a little more than two weeks, I guess. Um, so, so even though the first half of the month maybe wasn't as, as busy as I thought it might be at, at one point from a commitment standpoint, starting to pick up here toward the end and definitely um, tre- trending pretty well for, for Tennessee as they continue to add to their class and, and climb up the team rankings. When you, when you were able to catch up with him and, and talk to him about his decision, what did he express to you in terms of why he selected Tennessee? Uh, because obviously every kind of pigeonholed him into Tennessee because he's uh, from the Nashville area, although he is from originally from West Africa uh, and, and moved to Nashville in, in 2013. And, and that has now been a decade. That was 10 years ago, uh, but not a, a true born and, and raised Tennessean. Uh, but everybody just kind of assumed because he is from Lipscomb Academy there in Nashville because his brother Nate Spillman 
uh, is about to be or is a current freshman receiver for the Vols that that he was an, an automatic pickup for Tennessee. Uh, do you believe that that was the case? And, and what kind of did he express to you as as why he did ultimately feel comfortable picking Tennessee? Yeah, I mean, I, obviously, I think the chance to play with his brother uh, was was a was a big deal and, and something that in the end was was going to be tough for him to pass up. But I think he wanted and and one of the reasons he kind of played played out the process the way he did is he wanted to to make he wanted to arrive at that decision on his own for his own reasons. And I think he did that. I think he I think he always liked Ohio State from a football standpoint and and, and could have definitely seen himself going there uh, in, in, in different scenarios, too. But. I think he wanted to feel that that um, wanted to reach a point where he felt he was getting basically the same things from a football standpoint at, at Tennessee. And I think he he at first started visiting Tennessee and it, it just sort of felt like going maybe going there with his brother uh, a little bit for a while there. And so he's gotten to know Tennessee better, gotten to know this staff really well, obviously, in, over the past several months and and even going back to, to some of last year's visits. And he's uh, he's he's really gotten to understand. Uh, from a football standpoint where they are and also seeing the progress from them on the field to the point where I do think he, he sees a lot of things on the football side that made made Tennessee make sense, that it's not just about following his brother. So I think he loves this coaching staff. Uh, Brian Jean-Marie, the linebackers coach, has done a really good job recruiting him, but he knows you know, everyone from Tim Banks, the defensive coordinator, to Josh Heupel, of course, and, and, uh, and, and other guys who've been involved in his recruitment throughout the support staff and elsewhere. Um, you know, he, he just has a lot of good relationships and that happens obviously when you spend a lot of time at a school and there is nowhere he has spent more time than at Tennessee where, you know, he even got to accompany his brother in January on his official visit weekend after he had signed in December, he was able to go up and spend a weekend there, um, that, that, you know, a lot of prospects don't get to have that kind of visit. So he has definitely spent a lot of time at Tennessee and that is, has resulted in strong relationships and he, he does really like what they're what they're offering from a football perspective. I think that's that's one of the big things he he wanted to see, and I think he's gotten to understand how they use their linebackers, and he believes it's a very very linebacker friendly defense, and and that he's got a chance to to come in there and compete for some uh, some early playing time or, or playing time relatively early in his career at least, and and make a difference there in the middle of their defense. So I, I think he likes uh, that and, and the trajectory of the program overall. I think he likes that there are some other in state guys in this class for Tennessee and he feels that he's coming in with a lot of talent around him um, so that he can accomplish a lot of things on the field as well. So I think it just Tennessee, it, it all just sort of aligned um, at Tennessee, you know, at, uh, Ohio state might've uh, might've had similar things to offer from a football perspective, but I think he always just felt really comfortable at, with the idea of going to Tennessee and staying in state. And, and, and once those relationships became strong enough to, to sort of overwhelm anybody else that, that was a serious contender, it, it, there were just too many things working in Tennessee's favor in the end for him not to go there. When you reflect on his recruitment, and I guess technically his recruitment is 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 not over until he signs and uh, makes it to campus, but when you reflect on his recruitment, it, it boiled down to Tennessee and Ohio State. How much do you think Ohio State legitimately pushed Tennessee? Because obviously that that's not a a school that you take lightly on the recruiting trail. That that is one of the best programs in the country, who who has had a, a tremendous amount of success all time, but especially recently. Uh, how much do you think they pushed Tennessee to to land Edward Spillman? Yeah, I, I think I think Ohio State was was legitimate competition there for for a while. Uh, you know, in, in the end, yeah, you, know, you could you could maybe question if it was uh, if it was a, a neck and neck battle, and and if Ohio State was really 
um, you know, maybe maybe going all out for him here down the stretch. But but for a long long time, I, I think he he would have been a would have been a take for Ohio State, and they they really seemed to to like him. So uh, you know, timing is everything in recruiting, and and you know, in some ways, him him waiting longer to to make his decision might have might have worked out uh, a little bit better for for Tennessee. But regardless, you know, Ohio State recruited him hard and was a, was a real threat um, for for a while there, even though. You know, it was still going to be tough to envision him going elsewhere for all the reasons uh, we, we mentioned, including his brother being at Tennessee. He he really did like Ohio State, and he wanted to keep visiting there. And you know, even during the fall, when there was sort of some early speculation of him making a, a fairly early decision, he 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 shot it down because he wanted to uh, to visit Ohio State at least one one or two more times and and keep looking into to to their program. So yeah, that that place always interested him and. And uh, I think they were enough of a threat that, yeah, you, you couldn't rule out something crazy happening and them pulling the upset. So they, they did a lot to, to hang around in that one and, and made things interesting for, for a good while. But, uh, but yeah, in, in the end, I think it was going to be tough for him to, to leave the state and, and decide to go elsewhere. Just, to, just, just too many things to, to overcome, too many things working in Tennessee's favor. But it was a Ohio State was always kind of tempting to him, I think, for, for a few reasons. And, um, you know, he again, I think he could have seen himself there in a different scenario. But obviously, just, you know, the chance to the chance to do all the things that we mentioned before was just too, too much to to overcome for any other program and, and and made Tennessee too much of a comfortable fit. But this was more of a battle than, than probably some people expected for a while. What kind of linebacker is Tennessee getting in Edwin Spillman? What, what do you hear when you talk to people? in and around the state uh, about the the football player that Edwin Spillman is. Yeah, there, there's, you know, again, there's a lot to like about him on the field. And the exciting thing I think is that the, the arrow is still pointing up on, on his development. I think there's still another level he can, he can take his game to, but he's a, he's a good athlete has always had, had the build, you know, even from, from probably the end of his sophomore year, you, you could really see his, his frame continue to fill out. And he already, has, has almost looked like a college linebacker for, for more than a year now. Like he, he really is an impressive, um, well put together young man. And, uh, and has, has put a lot of time and, and, and effort into, into getting to that point and, and really works hard. And so there um, you're getting a guy that I think is going to put in the work to, to get himself there. And, and, it, and it really seems to love football and, and yeah, he's, he just can do all the things that you need to do with the linebacker position. You know, his, uh, he's been very productive in a good defense at Lipscomb, where he's obviously won back-to-back state championships the past two years, and uh, you know hoping to finish out his career with a third straight title this year as they move up to the to the uh, Division II AAA level uh, in Tennessee, the, the the top private school division, where he'll face tougher competition with schools like Baylor and Brentwood Academy and, uh, and you know Endsworth, some of those schools uh, at, at that level. Um, he'll get to face some some even better competition this year, but there's um, there's obviously a lot of talent around him at Lipscomb, and he is he is um, he's been a big part of their defense for the past couple of years. So uh, I, I think he you know he flies around the field well, covers a lot of ground, and uh, and has shown an ability to deliver some big hits. Uh, I think there's still another level he can take things to in terms of consistency, uh, in terms of always um, you know making the 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 big plays that he's capable of making. But you know, when you look at the stats, you look at the you look at the film. There's there's a lot to like there, and and if he can continue to um, 
put things together consistently on the field. He's he's got a chance to be a really good player at the college level. So there's a there's a lot to like there. And again, there's a there's a reason Tennessee has wanted him for a long time. Even when they were recruiting guys like Sammy Brown, uh, who's obviously committed to Clemson now, and um, you know they've they've been recruiting Tylen Singleton and some others, but. Edwin Spillman all along has been a no question top priority guy that they've always wanted in this class. And, and there's a reason for that. So there's a, a, a lot to like. And when you, when you turn on his film, you can you can see why it, it's as with a lot of good linebackers. It, it, it jumps out at you pretty quickly, the natural ability and, and why he's been you know, a four star prospect and one of the top players in the state for, for so long. How do you assess Tennessee's linebacker class in, in the 2024 cycle? Uh, he is. Edwin Spillman is the second linebacker to commit to Tennessee this cycle. Jordan Burns, the linebacker out of Pace Academy in Atlanta, uh, he committed to Tennessee back on June 20th. Uh, so now two linebackers in this class and in, in Jordan Burns and, and Edwin Spillman. How, how do you assess this group, where it is right now, and, and kind of what do you think's next for this linebacker group in, in this cycle? Yeah, it, it will be interesting to see now if they are uh, if they end up being done at that position. I don't think their intent is to necessarily be done, but they could be. They're you know they they all along. I think Tennessee has been trying to sign two linebackers in this class, and so you know with with Edwin Spillman and Jordan Burns, that's a that's a nice pair. I think they're they're pretty happy with those guys, and, and there's a lot to like about them. They're they're both four star prospects. Um, for for a reason, and uh, and and Tennessee recruit those guys pretty heavily for for months in both cases, and 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 a few couple of years really in, in Edwin Spillman's case. So so yeah, for for those two, that's you know that's maybe not the absolute best case scenario when you when you also pursued guys like Sammy Brown, but it's pretty close to the best case scenario if you were to sign a two linebacker class. Um, and, and I think that's a, a really nice way to follow up what ended up being a really strong linebacker class last year. Where where Tennessee took things to another level late by landing Arion Carter out of Smyrna, um, that, you know, signing three linebackers in that class, including Jeremiah T. Lander and Jalen Smith. You can you can see Tennessee starting to stack some talent at that position. You know, for for a couple of years there, we were hearing, you know, when's Tennessee going to get some good linebackers? Where's the linebacker depth? They they've got it now. Um, you've got some young guys and and Elijah Herring and. Uh, and Arion Carter that are going to provide meaningful depth and, and potentially take on bigger roles throughout the season this year. And now you're starting to, to put some young guys behind them and, and get a, a healthy three deep at that position. Uh, and even, you know, beyond that potentially. So this is a, they've got a nice, nice linebacker class already. And, and they're maybe not completely done. There's still two names to, to watch that if Tennessee could get either of them, I think they would still, would still take them, even though they're not dead set on taking three linebackers. But, you know, I mentioned earlier, Tylen Singleton, the four-star out of Louisiana, they are still recruiting him and, and battling LSU and, and others for him. He will probably make a decision by early August, and we'll see if he makes it back to Tennessee next week, which has been mentioned as a possibility, but is not is definitely not set in stone as of the recording of this podcast. So that's you know, he's at least a name to watch there and, and still a, a legitimate option, I think. And then four-star Chris Cole out of Virginia, who's actually Peyton Lewis's teammate, the uh, the four-star Tennessee running back commitment. He has been to Tennessee once this year, and now he's planning to visit next week as well uh, to take another look at the Vols. Georgia, Miami, some other heavy hitters um, heavily involved with him. So there's a lot of competition, but um, Tennessee could make a move there potentially with that visit next week. So there are a couple pretty good linebacker options still out there and it's another situation like with Arian Carter where if you could get one of those guys 
I, I don't think there's any way you can turn them down because they've been high on Tennessee's board for a while. So we'll see what develops there. But if they, for some reason, can't get one of those guys, then, then hey, I think they're content with what they have now because Edwin Spillman and Jordan Burns are a couple of pretty good linebackers. Edwin Spillman is a significant addition for Tennessee on the recruiting trail, and there's still plenty to discuss here on the podcast. But first, we do need to catch a break. So we're going to do that and be back here in just a moment. Welcome back into the Go Vols 24-7 podcast, another breaking news edition with Ryan Callahan and myself, Ben McKee, because Tennessee stays hot on the recruiting trail. They land Mike Matthews on Wednesday. They land Edwin Spillman now on Friday, quite the the week for the Vols on the recruiting trail and uh, still plenty to discuss here. But, but before we continue our conversation, we'd like to encourage you to go like, rate, and review the podcast wherever you do get your podcast. We would greatly appreciate that. Ryan, I wanted to kind of put a bow on the, on that last topic that we were talking about before the break uh, in terms of uh, the state of, of Tennessee's linebacker room. I asked you more uh, about the current recruiting class at the linebacker position, but uh, something that you touched on, kind of the linebacker room as a whole, I think you have to be really excited about where things are if you're a Tennessee fan. You've got Aaron Beasley and Keenan Peely to kind of lead the way this year as veterans. And then you you look ahead to the future, and this is kind of now three classes in a row to where they've they've stacked up some some really exciting linebacker prospects. You, you go back and you think of Caleb Perry. I think he's one that should be mentioned as well in the linebacker rotation uh, as a young guy who 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 could really develop into a guy at that position. Uh, you mentioned Elijah Herring. Uh, that was going back to, to the 2022 class, I guess it was. But even last year with the 2023 class, like you mentioned, uh, Arianne, Arianne Carter coming in, uh, Jeremiah T. Lander. It seems like he's had a nice couple of months uh, as he has stepped foot on campus. And, and then even Jalen Smith, who was a tackling machine at the high school level in Georgia, and then now you bring in Jordan Burns and Edwin Spillman, and, and who knows? Maybe they're not done, as you alluded to. If if you could go add a Chris Cole or a Tylen Singleton or who else, who knows who else may pop up on the trail as as well uh, as we get into to the winter months or, or even uh, look ahead to the transfer portal prior to next season. The, there's a lot to be excited about at that that linebacker position right now, specifically inside linebacker. Yeah, that the, the dilemma they had a couple of years ago does not look like it will be a problem uh, anytime in the near future, uh, barring you know, a mass exodus um, that we that we don't foresee right now. They they've they've got some depth at that position, some good young athletes, as you mentioned, uh, a, a lot of I think some variety too in the skill sets and the and, and sort of the body types of some of those guys as well. Uh, Caleb Perry's always had the the kind of the length to be a. Uh, you know, to, to even have some positional versatility in his game, you could, you could probably rush him off the edge if you needed to. Elijah Herring did that some in high school. So he, he played some Sam linebacker last year. Um, so, so you've got some kind of complementary parts there. And then, you know, obviously some guys like Arion Carter who are more, you know, true inside linebackers who I think are, are, are probably going to stay there, but, but, you know, they, they like to have guys that can do a little bit of everything and, and, blitz well and and we saw obviously jeremy banks and some other guys do that well in the past i think they've definitely got some guys who can do that well in this group and and yeah that's the exciting thing is you've got some young guys there at that position who 
who still have a have a chance to get better and and be more of a factor over the next couple of years. Uh, I'll be I'll be pretty surprised if if Elijah Herring's role doesn't doesn't grow over the next couple of years. And then and Arian Carter obviously looks like a, a future star. So that the the uh, definitely that that group has has started to round into form. And Brian John Marie has done a nice job of recruiting that position and and starting to stack some depth there. So that that I feel like that's kind of a microcosm of, of Tennessee's roster as a whole, but uh, but the linebacker position looks pretty healthy right now and uh, has a you know they were in a nice situation going into this class where they really felt like they only had to take two because they finally did get ahead a little bit last year and take a three man class and, and add Arian Carter there at the end. So as long as they don't have anybody you know a lot of people leave anytime soon, they're they're probably going to be in good shape there for the next couple of years at least. And uh, if these guys reach their potential. You're going to have some good players come through Tennessee with this group, you know, certainly in, in Carter and uh, Spillman in particular. But, you know, Herring, some of these guys look like um, they've got a chance to be multi-year starters if they if they reach their potential. And I, I would certainly put Spillman in that category as a guy who looks like he has a chance to play uh, a lot of football and play a pretty major role at Tennessee. Well, and the other thing that stands out about these last couple of linebacker classes is that kind of the guy headlining the class has been an in-state guy going back to Elijah Herring. Uh, a little under-recruited, in my opinion. Uh, definitely didn't have to beat out Alabama like you did for Arian Carter or beat out Ohio State for Edwin Spillman. But, I mean, landing those three guys in a row, I mean, those are three really, really talented football players and and all from the mid-state in some capacity. Uh, a, good on Tennessee for for keeping them in-state. But also, I I do think... Yes, we're talking about the linebacker position, but it also speaks to how well Tennessee has done for the most part uh, in state at any position uh, in the recent recruiting classes. I, absolutely, that's a, that's a good point. And the and the crazy thing is, you know, there there've even been some linebackers who who kind of got away from Tennessee for different reasons in this state over the past few years. Uh, going back to uh, you know Prince Colley, who they didn't pursue and ended up at Notre Dame and. And, and now has transferred. And then, uh, you know, Junior Colson that, that went to Michigan uh, there at the end of the, the the Jeremy Pruitt era. You know, there there have been some guys who in this state who didn't end up at Tennessee, and they still, <laughs> because this state has continued to produce more and more talent at a lot of different positions, they still have a nice in-state core at the linebacker position. So that's that's one of the spots where this state kind of, Kind of has been sneaky good the last uh, the last several years in producing some some pretty high level talent and uh, and that that seem, that trend seems to be continuing. We'll see if anyone emerges in the in the twenty twenty five class. Uh, but there there are some definitely some some future guys at, at at a lot of positions to be excited about in this state and, and and linebacker has definitely been one of those positions in in recent years where they can have been able to sort of count on in state talent and not have 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 not had to go too far outside of their. Of, of their home base and recruiting to to fill their needs at that position, so that that's a big deal. And and yeah, I, I think Edwin Spillman, as far as Tennessee's in-state recruiting, I, th- I think it you know it means a lot to get a guy like that in-state, um, and and he takes them another step closer to sort of filling out what could be a pretty good in-state class. Uh, it's not going to be a a perfect class. They have had a a miss or two so far, and and there's still one big fish still out there in Amari Jefferson, the four-star wide receiver from Baylor School down in Chattanooga. Um, where they're battling Alabama tooth and nail for him leading up to his announcement on August 5th. So that's a that's a really close fight right now, and I, I think Tennessee still has some work to do. But if they could get him, I, I think it will have been a really good year for Tennessee in-state. You know, Even without him, they've done some pretty good work, got some really good players in-state from you know Caleb Beasley and 
Marcus Gorey in the secondary, Boo Carter as well, to, to, to Spillman and others. So there's a, there's a lot to like about this in-state class now. And, and Spillman is one of those guys that I think you felt like all along was kind of a must-get for Tennessee in-state. So now that you have him, it's a, it's a much, much – uh, that, that class is much closer to being completed now and looks like a very good group either way. But uh, I think you still need to get Amari Jefferson, uh, if possible, to, to make it a, uh, a near-perfect year in-state. But they've done a really good job under Josh Heupel in the state of Tennessee, and, and certainly uh, adding Edwin Spillman just continues that trend. Well, and, and big picture – I've mentioned a million times uh, on this podcast and including the Mike Matthews reaction podcast, just how big of a week that this week could have been and and has now proven to be. I I thought Steve Wiltfong in his analysis of Mike Matthews committing to Tennessee earlier this week, I thought he summarized it best when he said beating Alabama, Clemson, Georgia and USC for one of the Peach State's best shows the prowess this Tennessee staff has on the trail. This is a program that's on the cusp of winning a national championship. Adding Edwin Spillman, although he is an in-state guy and not ranked as highly as Mike Matthews, I think that this backs up Steve's comments as well in terms of beating Alabama, Clemson, Georgia, USC, and, and speaks to the prowess of Tennessee's staff on the trail right now because you can add Ohio State to the list. I mean, again, Ohio State is as good as any program in the country right now. So I just don't think that you can overstate how huge of a week this was for Tennessee, obviously in terms of the talent that they are adding, but also Ryan, I think to solidify like, Hey, those June official visits where it felt like we built a lot of momentum, they are paying off. And that was the correct feeling coming out of those visits. It, it gives credence to to the work that they've been able to do this summer on the recruiting trail, in my opinion. And and simply put, like these are the type of guys that you have to land if you're going to close the gap with Georgia and, and with Alabama to go win an SEC championship and potentially play for and, and win a national championship. Yeah, absolutely. And th- these are the types of guys that that Tennessee has to has to start closing on a, a higher percentage. And I think they've started to do that. Uh, you know, obviously, there's always going to be a lot of hand wringing about the ones who get away that, you know, that's always going to happen in recruiting, though. And, and especially in the NIL era, you know, you're, you're just going to miss on some guys that you may may not expect to at, at, at certain points. And there's gonna be a lot of twists and turns in a lot of guys recruitments. But because of that, the ones that you have a, a connection to or, or that are in your home state or, or the, that you have a, a, a better than average chance of landing for one reason or another, you, you got you got to land a lot of those. And that obviously to, to take advantage of their opportunity with Mike Matthews was was massive. And, and again, Edwin Spillman, I think, was a must get in, in a lot of uh, a lot of ways for Tennessee because of just what he represented and uh, how, how much of a priority he was in, in the state and and. And and having that connection to his brother, you know, you you can't miss on players like that when you have a chance to get them. So, uh, yeah, that they, they are they are clearly recruiting at a higher level. You know, I've, I've had I've had a lot of questions about just how how good Tennessee's class is going to turn out to be. You know, I, I I've continued to say it. I think the depth in this class is really good. Uh, I think when we look back at, at the end of this class, I think you're you're going to be able to tell how high of a level they've been recruiting at by looking at the bottom half of the class as much as anything. And now they've, they've got the guy at the top of the class too. And in, in Mike Matthews, and we'll see if they end up having any other five stars in this class, but uh, you've got some, some quality there at the top and a lot of four stars in this class, but 
you get to the bottom half of the class and you're going to see some four stars in the bottom half. And that's something that usually you you don't get to that point unless you unless you have a, a lot of really good players um, filling up your class. So they're 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 getting to that point. And this this may end up being a class with a pretty high number of four stars by the time it's all said and done. And that's uh, that's obviously a, a reflection of the work they've put in and 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 the fact that they're they're more competitive now that they're seen as an up and coming program after last season and they've been in the mix for a lot of these guys and now they're they're winning their fair share of those battles so it's a it, it, it these these kinds of wins are are sort of statement wins in a lot of ways uh, for for Tennessee and they they really represent um, this program kind of turning the corner a little bit and starting to recruit at a higher level even if you're not winning all those battles or even a large percentage of them just keep winning your fair share and especially these and you're going to be just fine as a program well and. I have the opinion that you don't have to have a top three recruiting class to win a national championship. I, I don't think that the prerequisite to winning a, a natty is to land the number one recruiting class with, with a million five stars. Recruiting is very important in terms of there is a direct correlation every single year uh, to who wins the national championship to their success on the recruiting trail leading up to that national championship but my opinion is that it doesn't have to be the the best of the best class. I, I think that you can be in that top five, top 10 range, maybe even top 15, although I think that's probably pushing it. Uh, I, I think you can be just safely saying top five, top 10 and develop those guys when they get to campus and, and you will be in the running to, to win a national championship if if you can be consistently in that top five, top 10. And I especially believe that with Josh Heupel and his offensive system. I, I think if if you finish six, seven, or eight, Heupel's system and the culture at Tennessee and the staff's ability on both sides of the ball to develop the players that they are bringing in, I think that kind of makes up for the difference in, okay, being number two or three and being seven or eight. Yeah, I, I think that's that's a great point, and I and I kind of tell people all the time, I, you don't have to beat Georgia and Alabama in recruiting. You don't have to chase them down and, and to your point, sign a number one or number two class to to win a national championship. You know, I think I think Clemson is is kind of the blueprint for, and they play in a different conference, so it's a little bit easier to to maybe play that play it that way from the perspective of Clemson's uh, place in the college football world, but you can still do a lot of what Clemson did and, and build a, a championship program around that sort of sort of model. Uh, as long as you're bringing in the right types of players, developing them. I mean, just look at what Tennessee did last year. I mean, they were, they were really close to, to, to making the college football playoff. And, and they did that without what I would consider, you know, elite prospects uh, on both sides of the ball. Um, they, they, they had some, some very good players in there, but not many that you would look back at and say, Hey, they, a handful of five stars on each side of the ball led them, led them to that. No, they they did it with you know Hendon Hooker and and uh, some some really good players, Jalen Hyatt. Those were those are top two forty seven prospects, but they weren't beating out Alabama and Ohio State and programs like that for for a lot of those guys. So you can you can get there um, by by hitting it uh, on on a lot of your evaluations and and getting big time talents in different ways at different positions and the. Uh, the staff is going to get the quarterback position right most of the time. And that's, that's a, a huge deal. So if they continue to hit the quarterback position, that gives you a chance. And so, yeah, with the way that this team plays offense, as long as they keep putting up points, you just need to start keep stacking top 10 recruiting classes. If you can do that for three or four years in a row, 
you're going to have enough talent to compete and give yourself a chance to compete with, uh, with the, the Georgias and Alabamas of the world, even if they are recruiting higher ranked classes than you are. So they're closing the gap for sure. And, you know, if they keep winning battles like this, beating out Ohio State for Edwin Spillman, beating out, you know, Clemson, USC, Georgia for, for Mike Matthews. You know, Georgia was even heavily involved for a while with Edwin Spillman, was, was going to host him on an official visit last month before he, he called that one off at the end of June. So, you know, you're, when you, you keep beating out big-time programs for good players, you're going to keep closing that gap and give yourself a chance. So I think Tennessee is well on its way to, to, to getting where it wants to go and, uh, and just has to keep, kind of keep chopping wood. You know, I say it all the time. It doesn't happen overnight. You, you got to keep putting guys in the NFL, keep, keep contending, show it's not just a one-year thing. But as long as they keep doing that, this this program is is definitely going places, and everyone can kind of see the trajectory of where they're headed, both on the field and in recruiting. Last thing before we get out of here, the next scheduled commitment that we are aware of as of the recording of this podcast is Kai Bates, the four-star corner from the state of Florida. He is set to announce on July 26th, which is next Wednesday. Where do you feel like Tennessee stands with Kai Bates? I think Tennessee's in, in a in a pretty good spot there. Um, you know, not not ready to say that one's uh, a done done deal, but I, it's it's looked like a Tennessee LSU battle here down the stretch, and, and I think Tennessee is uh, as as sort of had the momentum for the most part over the past month or so, coming off his official visits to both schools uh, at the end of June. Uh, he also took official visits to to Florida State and Alabama. Haven't heard as much about those two lately, but they're. They're they're still among his finalists. Ohio State hosted him on an unofficial visit last month, so some some heavy hitters in that one too. But Tennessee's done a nice job there. I think you know kind of kind of blew him away during that official visit last month, and I think they've had some some momentum since then. And I think LSU was kind of hoping that their official visit after the Tennessee visit would kind of swing things back in their direction, but it, it doesn't seem to have had that effect, at least not to this point. And and I think Tennessee is is probably the team. If I had to say right now, in the best shape going into that announcement next week, um, we'll see if we hear anything different over the next few days. And, and like I said, I'm not ready to say it's a done, done deal, but um, I think I think the Vols have a have probably the best chance at this point uh, as of the recording of this podcast. Well, you know, again, things can certainly change, especially in this era with the uh, at the drop of a hat. But this is a this is one that I think Tennessee's had a real shot at for several weeks now, and and I you know at, at this point I would say they're you know probably the slight favorite going into that announcement next week. And that would be another huge piece to add to this class, a highly ranked, you know, just outside the top 100 uh, nationally cornerback who, who has a, a ton of offers and whose stock has really risen throughout the spring and, and even into the summer. So uh, that that's one that could really, you know, potentially finish off that secondary class in, in a big way. Uh, if you could get him to pair with Marcus Corey and, and, and Caleb Beasley at the cornerback position, that, you know, that, that would be two years in a row signing a really, really nice group of, uh, of three good cornerbacks to really kind of transform that position group. So that's certainly one to watch and we'll, we'll keep everyone posted at go balls 24 seven with the latest on that one. That's, that's kind of where I think things stand right now. We've got a ton of great content up on the site on Mike Matthews committing to Tennessee and also now Edwin Spillman. How can people find that work from this past week and also keep up with your work as uh, the dead period is coming to an end and it'll be a, a busy finish to the month as Tennessee hosts some guys on some visits. Uh, yes, that's that's right. Definitely uh, a lot of visits coming up next week. Uh, Tennessee will have a, a big recruiting event on the 29th uh, to kind of wrap up the summer. Uh, you get that one week to host visitors at the end of July before things shut down again for the August dead period to allow everyone to kind of focus on the start of their season. So um 
great chance to, uh, to, to check out the site and get all our coverage of that. And, uh, and this is, uh, certainly a, uh, a good time to join the site with our, our current sale, 50% off an annual subscription, um, to, to join the site now. So, um, we've, we've got a lot, uh, a lot going on on the site and definitely, a, uh, with preseason camp, uh, just around the corner, of course, plenty, plenty going on. Um, but yeah, get all of our coverage at goballs247.com and you can of course follow, follow us on Twitter at goballs247 and I'm at Ryan Callahan 247. He's Ryan Callahan. I'm Ben McKee. This has been another edition of the Go Balls 24-7 podcast. There's that button. And now I can say thank you for listening to this edition of the Go Balls 24-7 podcast. We always say that, but we always mean it. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for listening. You can find all of us on social media. I'm Wes Rucker 24-7 on Twitter. Ben McKee is Ben McKee 14 on Twitter. Ryan Callahan is Ryan Callahan 24-7 on Twitter. And Patrick Brown is P Brown 24-7 on Twitter. And if you just want Tennessee news on Twitter, nothing else, you can get that at twitter.com slash go balls 24 seven. You can also go to facebook.com slash go balls 24 seven, where we update that throughout the day, all day, every day, mostly with Tennessee news, uh, but also with news that we think falls fans will find interesting. Uh, But if you want that best, most delicious East Tennessee, smoky mountain spring water directly from the source, go get that at GoVols247.com, the best site on all of Al Gore's internets for coverage of Tennessee football, football recruiting, basketball, basketball recruiting, Tennessee baseball. Nobody, and I mean nobody, covers Tennessee baseball the way that we do. Also, no one covers the Lady Vols that we do. The award-winning Maria Cornelius does an excellent job covering all things Lady Vols for us all season long. You can get all of that at GoVols247.com. You've also got access there to two forums that run around the clock, got the checkerboard and the summit, where you can go 24 hours a day, seven days a week, and discuss anything you want that is not political or religious in nature with us, with thousands of Tennessee fans across the world, and with us who are on the staff. Uh, and, and no one has a more uh, active board with the, the staff members than us. We are proud to be there all the time answering any question that you've got, and you get all of that for less than the price of one mediocre lunch per month. That is all that it costs, and that's after a quick free trial. And once you pay us that reasonable rate, which is, again, less than one mediocre lunch per month, you get access in perpetuity to Paramount Plus, uh, which is an excellent growing behemoth of a streaming arm there with us here at CBS, Paramount, Viacom, etc. You get every show CBS has ever made commercial free. You get new movies. You get classic movies that rotate in every single month. Uh, you also get just tons of original content, tons of great original Paramount Plus content. And you also uh, get access to the vaults of uh, Nickelodeon, uh, Smithsonian, uh, MTV, BET, Comedy Central, something for the entire family. All of that, all of that for less than the price of one mediocre lunch per month. That That is so much stuff. So much stuff. That's a bunch of stuff. Less than one lunch a month. That's all that it costs. So go to GoVols247.com and do that. Take advantage of that. Tell your friends to go do that. Again, thank you for listening. You can always go subscribe to us on every content uh, item, everywhere you can get a podcast. You can get this podcast. So please go do that. Thank you for listening again. And uh, be kind to each other, guys. Just try to be kind to each other. There's just not nearly enough people in this world being kind to each other and having basic human empathy and dignity. Let's be better to each other. Let's be good. See you guys.